This is a Federal News Network podcast. After nearly three years of work, the National Commission on Military, National and Public Service last week released a long list of recommendations for all three areas of service. Joining me with highlights of particular interest to the federal workforce, Commission Chairman Dr. Joe Heck. Dr. Heck, as always, good to have you on. Hey, thanks, Thomas. I'm glad to be back with you. It's sad a little bit that the timing of this really important report came out in the midst of this national crisis. I hope you don't feel too slighted by the coronavirus. (laughs) Well, you know, it it has made for a challenging environment to release our report. However, uh, in an odd way, it almost underscores the importance of our recommendations because we talk in our report about the importance of service, about the importance of public servants. And when you think about all the incredible work being done right now in response to this crisis by public servants across the spectrum, whether they're first responders in local communities or the scientists at uh, NIH, the uh, administrators at the FDA, uh, epidemiologists at CDC, air traffic controllers, it's all about service. And who wouldn't want to grow up and go to med school and become Dr. Anthony Fauci these days? (laughs) Yeah, I've always, I've had, as you know, I'm a physician by training, and I've always had a long-standing uh, respect for the work that he does. All right, let's talk about the report a little bit. Uh, I wanted to focus in on one of the recommendations, which is to improve military outreach and strengthening military recruiting and marketing. A few themes in there. Tell us uh, what the what the thinking is behind that one. Sure. Well, as as your listeners uh, undoubtedly have heard before. Uh, only uh, 29% roughly of the uh, population between the ages of 17 and 24, which is the prime recruiting demographic, actually qualify for military service. Uh, When you think about the numbers more broadly, it's about 32 million uh, individuals in that age cohort every year. When you look at the number that are not medically disqualified uh, due to, or uh, legally disqualified due to whatever issues, that drops to 9 million. Uh, when you look at those that are then highly academically qualified, which means basically being an A or B student in high school, that drops to 4.5 million. And then when you go from that 4.5 million and you ask how many of you have thought about uh, serving in the military, it drops to 450,000. And we are competing, the military is competing against uh, Fortune 500 companies and uh, top colleges and universities for that same uh, potential pool of applicants. So our recommendations are focused on that 4.5 million. How can we get more of the folks uh, who are uh, physically and academically qualified to consider serving in the military? So part of it is increasing awareness about military opportunities. You know, post 9-11, bases close their gates. Uh, it's much more difficult to get access. So uh, there's an increasing civil-military divide where individuals just don't understand uh, deeply what the military does. Uh, most youth are getting their perception of the military from TV shows, movies, and playing video games like Call to Duty. Uh, they don't understand that any possible job that's available in the civilian sector is also available uh, in uniform. Uh, we want to expand junior ROTC programs, which, although are a, really a citizenship program, not a military program, help introduce more youth uh, to a p- potential career and service in the military. So there are several recommendations at how we can increase awareness, uh, not just for uh, the potential uh, recruit, but also for the influencers, the parents, the coaches, the religious leaders, uh, guidance counselors in high schools, uh, to try to make sure that they include a an option for military service uh, as their child uh, is considering what to do post-high school. Sure. So if you could expand that 400,000 by 10 times, then it would certainly ease the recruitment stresses that the military feels every year. 
Yeah, without a doubt. And so, and you know, our vision for that is that we would be so successful that there would really be no need for the traditional recruiting methods uh, that are currently out there, right? That there would be so many people interested that they'll just freely walk through the door and continue to volunteer as they have done uh, since uh, the institution of the all-volunteer force, which has provided us which, with the most professional and capable force in our nation's history. We're speaking with Dr. Joe Heck. He is chairman of the National Commission on Military, National, and Public Service, and also effectively managing the military personnel that are already in there is one of your recommendations. What do you envision as some of those steps? Well, you know, so certainly once we uh, spend the time uh, to uh, increase awareness and get folks to sign up, we want to make sure uh, that that we keep them as long as we can and as long as they want to stay uh, in uniform. Uh, So we look at providing more flexibility um, to the ways that military members uh, can serve. Uh, We support a lot of the uh, human resources and human capital management recommendations that uh, previous Secretary of Defense uh, Hagel had tried to institute. Uh, We want to make sure that we provide those that are serving with the opportunity uh, to remain in a meaningful way in the service uh, for as long as they'd like to stay. All right. And then I wanted to ask you also about the recommendations regarding the career civilian workforce. You mentioned that uh, modernizing veterans' preference with the emphasis on modernizing, expanding non-competitive eligibility, but also developing a new personnel system. Lots of moving parts there because a personnel system is by nature in the federal space competitive. It certainly is. And and this is a great issue. So uh, again, probably no surprise uh, to those uh, that listen to your show. But when you look at the federal uh, civilian workforce, only about 6% is under the age of 30. Uh, That's roughly half the amount that's in the general population workforce. And about one third of the current federal workforce will be eligible to retire in the next five years. And so we have this kind of restricted pipeline of individuals coming into the federal workforce, and we have a potential brain drain on the back end. Uh, And we, again, want to make sure that we have the best and brightest that are doing the jobs that are, you know, necessary to keep our government functioning. So again, we look at how can we, you know, increase awareness amongst uh, high school and college students to consider a career in public service. Uh, One of the things we heard as we traveled around the country and talked to folks we actually went and visited the uh, uh, the federal center out in Denver, Colorado, which is the largest concentration of federal employees outside of Washington, D.C., and spoke with many of the uh, folks there. Uh, you know, one of the biggest obstacles is actually the USA Jobs platform. I mean, when you try to go in uh, and submit a you know application via USA Jobs for today's millennials and Gen Zers, it's just far too many mouse clicks. It's not the way in which they are used to interacting. Uh, with entities with whom they are uh, interviewing for jobs. So we're at a disadvantage there. So we want to you know, change the process by which we uh, assess new applicants into the federal workforce. Uh, again, once we have them in the uh, federal workforce, how can we keep them, right? So it means a more flexible benefit package that's somewhat competitive uh, with what the options are uh, in the private sector. You mentioned the veterans' preferences. So uh, we enhance and modernize the veterans, uh, recommend a a modernization and enhancement of veterans' preferences so that more veterans can actually utilize the preference which which they've earned with their service. Uh, Over time, uh, the veterans' preference has been circumvented by direct hiring authority, by non-competitive eligibility, uh, and so very few veterans actually get an opportunity to utilize the the preference to get into the uh, federal workforce. And we want to target that preference 
for those veterans that are you know, recently separated uh, from the service to give them the opportunity to get into the federal workforce as they transition from active duty uh, into civilian life. Uh, we also look at creating a more high-performing personnel culture, right? We need um, the hiring managers more involved with the evaluation uh, of their applicants uh, and with the evaluation uh, of their employees. So again, a whole host of recommendations. Interestingly, we have 164 total recommendations in the report. Um, the largest individual group of recommendations uh, by topic deal with uh, modernizing the public service sector. Yeah, because it sounds like there are issues that can be done by executive order or just by simply better management on the part of the career civil servants. And then there are some things that do require congressional work, and the congressional work might be the, I don't know, is it the heavier lift or is it the easier thing? Well, you know, we, we are trying to make it uh, as easy as possible uh, for the members of Congress, both House and Senate. And so we actually, as part of our report, have a legislative annex that takes every one of our recommendations and puts them into actual bill language. Uh, so uh, if there's somebody who actually has an interest in adopting some of the public service recommendations, the bill is already drafted for them. They just need to, you know, drop it into the hopper. Uh, and so yeah, certainly some can be done by policy, some can be done by executive order. I think the important thing is, is that this is a holistic and comprehensive review, right? In the past, having served in Congress, I've seen where, you know, incremental change is made or a little nibble around the edge to try to make a, a change. And oftentimes trying to make that small change uh, meets with more resistance because there's a second or third order unintended effect. Uh, what we've done is looked at the issues holistically and comprehensively so that we've tried to minimize the friction points by making a change in one place uh, that might have a ripple effect in another place. And what happens to the report now that it is delivered, and what happens to the commission? So the uh, we, we uh, disband in uh, September of this year, uh, so we were given a three-year tenure to complete our work. Uh, as we mentioned, we uh, submitted the report to Congress uh, and the president last week. We did have uh, congressional hearings scheduled, uh, however, with the current crisis and the cessation of in-person testimony, uh, those will be postponed. Hopefully, we will be able to get in front of the committees of jurisdiction as soon as things return to relative normalcy uh, to be able to present our recommendations. Uh, last week, we did uh, pre-brief uh, many of the uh, leaders uh, in both the House and the Senate on the respective committees of jurisdiction, uh, also thought leaders within the House and Senate on many of the issues uh, that we discuss. Uh, and so we will continue to work with them in a virtual environment uh, until we have the opportunity to actually testify and present the report to them in person. Uh, and then lastly, as we transition out uh, at the end of September, uh, we will hope that stakeholder organizations uh, that have an interest in these topics will continue to carry the guide on. Our vision is a Vision 2031. We hope that over the course of the next 10 years, uh, that by 2031, uh, 5 million Americans will enter into some form of service every year. We know that that is a generational change, uh, changing the way people think about service. Uh, we picked 2031 because uh, in year 2031, that will be the 70th anniversary of President Kennedy's speech in which he said, ask not what uh, your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Uh, and so we have recommendations laid out over that timeline, gradually building to the point where uh, by 2031, there will be a universal expectation of service of all Americans, 
and that it will not be uncommon for someone to come up to you and say, so where are you going to serve? Wow. Well, it's ambitious. Let's hope some of it at least can happen. Dr. Joe Heck is chairman of the National Commission on Military, National and Public Service. Thanks for joining me and thanks for your own service. Thank you, Tom. Find a link to the report and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. A good story helps us understand the world and how to make it better. That idea drives what we do on the Daily News podcast, Post Reports. We bring you stories that empower people. You know this is a fraud, right? Why are you calling people doing this? And that hold powerful people accountable. Wait, you did what? We had to sue your office twice to get our hands on these documents. My name is Martine Powers. I co-host the show. Take the trusted reporting of The Washington Post wherever you go. Follow and listen to Post Reports.